the following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Your discretion is advised. Rock, rock, rock and Today 
Take it away, girls. All right. It's a new year. And uh, the first Friday of the new year, and Marcy Wheeler is back, thankfully. I've, I, I missed your updates. It was only a week we were off. How were your holidays? Quiet, but that's fine. It was, um, it was good. Was this your first holiday season over there or? No, no. We got here in 2020. So we had one deep COVID Christmas where uh, my spouse's relatives made us that like the way Ireland did it is you, you could have one COVID pod. All and right. so we were their COVID pod. So we got to celebrate with them and, um, and then I, uh, last year I went back, I went to New York for oh, right. this I, I part of December. That. It was not Christmas proper. Um, whereas this year we didn't travel cause I'm, I'm recovering from foot surgery, but, um, as we were just saying, I'm learning to walk again. So my aspiration for 2024 is to learn to walk again. Uh, and you're making progress there. Yes. Yeah, you know, I, I was in Dublin the other day and there was a pool at the hotel and, and I was walking in the pool and it just made such a difference. So once I'm mm. able to drive, I'm going to keep driving. It's hard to find a good pool here that you can get into because Ireland still has, I think they still have COVID rules for health clubs. Oh, wow. So like you, there's a great health club at the local university, but you have to register time slots still in the in the pool, which is cool. You know, then, yeah. then it's not going to be mobbed so uh i'm gonna start doing that and that's gonna be good and you know good well, I, I went i posted slow. people will if people uh, they can check my either my twitter or my blue sky i did go out to a town called Kilkee, which is um south of the cliffs of moore which more people have heard of and um did a short walk on the cliffs yesterday with my crutches but uh in my sneakers so wow. that was it was a beautiful day so you uh, took off I the saw boot. At least three rainbows, including this one monster rainbow with a double rainbow. And oh, wow. um, that's going to be good luck for the year. Yes. Well, we'll take it as that. Um, Marcy Wheeler back for, for another year. And I'll tell you something. Um, at least the Democrats hit the ground running. So uh, big news yesterday was this new House report on... You know, with with the Republicans still going on this witch hunt for Hunter Biden um, over, I still don't understand. I know you've explained it a million times. It just doesn't make sense. Private citizen never worked in the White House, but okay. Meanwhile, we learned from this House report released yesterday that uh, Donald Trump was taking all kinds of money from foreign actors during his administration with the biggest one, most money coming from China. Um, it, why is this big news? Didn't we know this already? Well, it's just a way to quantify it, for one. And a way to... Um, so much of this comes from the subpoena on Mazars that James Comer covered up. Like, James Comer came in and said, oh, we don't want this information on Trump's uh, corruption with foreigners. And Democrats put together what they had received so far from Mazars. So just as one example, uh, James Comer cut off Mazars, cut off the, the um, subpoena... Uh, response from Mazars before they provided Trump's Russian business ties. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't get 
information about, for example, uh, how much money foreign governments spent in Scotland or in Chicago on in Trump's properties. We got three properties, basically. Um, but one of the things that's key in there, and it actually came from a different source, but uh, Trump, in one of his New York properties, has been renting to this uh, commercial bank, this Chinese commercial bank, that is involved with North Korea's corruption. Oh my and, God. Um, yeah, and so, like, the, just on what they found, and if you read the report, or I did a post on this, uh-huh. um, this is this is really just three properties. It's not complete records for those three properties. It doesn't include Russia. It doesn't include... Um, like the the documents are obviously incomplete it doesn't include the people who paid for the inauguration Uh but it shows that altogether the the funding that we know about makes up seven million dollars which is oh by the way what what james comer has found hunter biden made in the entire time period he's looking at which is closer to eight years um so in four years trump was paid by foreigners the same amount of money using totally incomplete data that James Comer is very excited that private citizen Hunter Biden got paid by, um, and, and CEFC, you know, like uh, the heart of Comer's conspiracy theories is that because Hunter Biden was paid by CEFC in 2017, 2018, after his father left uh, oh, the vice presidency, right? that because Hunter paid a truck loan back to his father because Jim Biden paid a $200,000, you know, 40, I think it was 40,000 that was when James Biden was still being paid by the Chinese, by C, by a, a, a company associated with CEFC. Um, this is the heart of James Comer's current conspiracy theory is that because Jim Biden paid his brother back, it's proof that that private citizen Joe Biden was on the take from China. And yet here we find that Trump this whole time has been renting space to a subsidiary of CEFC in New York. So right. um, everything, I mean, it's always about projection. It's about, it's about um, taking up oxygen. Um, but, I, but I think it was, it was an important point because it's a way, you know, it included in there, but obviously we don't, like, we don't know, Nicole, and this is just crazy. They, they mention in there some of the other things we know, like uh, Ivanka's trademarks, um, the money that Jared got from Cutter Seven, right? to pay off his enormous debt in Was it from Cutter or was it from the Saudis? That was, from, that was from Qatar. And then after he got out, he got the $2 billion oh, to invest from the Saudis, worth $25 million a year to him. You know, like everything that Hunter Biden is accused of, Jared uh, did orders of magnitude bigger. And, you know, it was very funny because one, um, one of my trolls, this guy, um, William Shipley, who I call Shipwreck or Wreck, <laughs> who is an attorney for about 30 of the January Sixers, he thinks he's really manly. And so he, he's like, oh, you're really stupid. And he, he says things that are ridiculous. And so he did that this morning, which meant my entire, my entire uh, Twitter account was flooded with these completely moronic maggots who are like, well, it's different. This is a real business. I'm like, yeah, you know, (laughs) Trump didn't actually run Trump International DC before he became 
before the election, before he became president. No. Like, this is not like he had a pre-existing hotel in D.C. and it just so happened that a lot of foreigners were already doing business there. This was all about his presidency. And these people, you know, of course don't care. Um, but one of the things that's mentioned in the report that really there needs to be a lot more focus on is Trump is has another LIV golf tournament scheduled uh, this time for Miami Doral uh, with the Saudis. He's basically yes. an employee of Mohammed bin Salman in this golf venture. Right. And, you know, again, the maggots are going to make their excuses for this, but it's but it is it is literally the case that as he is running for president, the, the, the Republicans are about to name a Saudi foreign agent effectively to be their presidential candidate. It, it, it is a sound and the double standard for Republicans is just sick for whether it's uh, this uh, emoluments, which we learned uh, the meaning of during the, the early days of the Trump administration and throughout. Um, and now we're seeing, uh, you know, the evidence and it, with the Republicans, it's uh, my husband last night just said, irony is dead. And I said, I think it died a long time ago. The fact that you just look at the the Ivanka Trump trademarks alone that she got from China in the first year of her dad's administration, there was no reason she should have gotten those other than the fact her father was the president. And that's the old what Rachel Maddow used to say. It's okay if you're a Republican. The double standard is just astounding. And they don't care. They just ignore it. Right. And and more importantly, the traditional press lets them ignore it. Yes. Now, you know, I spend a lot of time being an asshole on Twitter just to raise <laughs> the friction of to it. Yeah. I mean, but like, look, like I will continue to call out these journalists for mm-hmm. refusing. Um, and and it, it works to some degree. I mean, you know, most journalists will now say somewhere in paragraph 17 that there is no evidence of wrongdoing involving Joe Biden. Right. Um, and things... You know, one way or another, they're going to get interesting because uh, Trump has succeeded largely in getting the entire Republican Party to buy off on doing his dirty work uh, on the 8th of next, you know, so next week before his hearing, before his uh, D.C. Circuit hearing on absolute immunity, uh, the House Judiciary, Jim Jordan, so subpoena scofflaw Jim Jordan yes. and James Comer are going to move to hold uh, Hunter Biden in contempt for blowing off a subpoena. And and what's like uh, one thing that journalists for some reason, you know, a lot of the reason that journalists excuse the coverage they give to Jim Jordan by saying it's a process issue. We have to cover impeachment, right? Like it's the biggest stupid excuse, but, um, but they say it anyway. And somehow all of these journalists who have been rationalizing what they're doing by saying Saying it's a process issue did not mention that by voting to make impeachment formal the day that Hunter Biden blew off a subpoena they they literally were saying we have to have this vote because otherwise we can't subpoena people and it's like well if you have to have the vote before you can subpoena people then what good is that subpoena you gave to Hunter Biden right because then it wasn't legit if you had to have the vote before you could subpoena them right but meanwhile Jim Jordan blew off the Democrats subpoenas when they controlled the house it's again it's okay if you're a Republican they all blew off the congressional subpoenas it was like an ongoing thing it's like if you don't enforce it 
why have the rule? But they they believe. Well, I mean, obviously, we're waiting on the um, the we're waiting on the appeals court outcome for Steve Bannon. We're waiting on some things with Navarro. So two people actually are being held in contempt. The the difference, and this is probably why Hunter Biden felt fairly safe blowing off that subpoena, is uh, for people who had tried to make accommodations like Mark Meadows and uh, Dan Scavino, DOJ had not chosen to charge them. There, there are a few other reasons why they probably weren't charged. So DOJ actually did try and help uh, Democrats uh, enforce those subpoenas. Something interesting that came out over Christmas, by the way, um, your readers may remember that a bunch of Love Parnas and Rudy Giuliani's uh, um, warrant affidavits came out before Christmas. Right. And one of the things, it's very subtle that's in there, is um, that affidavit for Rudy Giuliani describes that he got a new phone on October 3rd, 2019. Well, what's the significance of that? That's the day that Democrats subpoenaed Rudy Giuliani on the Ukraine stuff. Huh. Hmm. So there's 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 pretty good evidence that, that uh, Rudy was deleting stuff um, in that period that uh, impeachment was about to focus on his efforts. You know, but you also mentioned in the post that you wrote yesterday, the headline is, in Rudy Giuliani affidavit, SDNY hung up the perfect phone call, which is a great headline, basically saying that they didn't even include the call to Zelensky that Trump describes as a perfect call, in which he basically blackmailed him to try to get him to, you know, open investigation into his political opponent. You're saying that was not in the... the, the Rudy, yeah. But we don't know what that means. One right. of the interesting things is, you know, I have argued from day one that there's more going on with the warrants served on Rudy Giuliani on Lisa Monica's first day in office. She proved like somebody approves those warrants, Lisa Monica's first day in office. Um, and one thing I've argued is that by September of 2021, DOJ already intended to use the, that seizure to get January, January 6th content. And actually, they got far more January 6th content than they did Ukraine caper content for a variety of reasons. So, um, so that's one thing. But the other thing that I mentioned in that post is that we know that in June of 2021, Rudy's funders, these blueberry farmers in California, or this uh, cannabis um, businessman in California was searched in June of 2021. And that was in conjunction with an anti-Hunter Biden movie that these Republicans were trying to make. Like, this is what funded Rudy Giuliani's trip to meet with Russian spy uh, Andre Durkacz in, de in December 2019. And, um, and given that DOJ served legal process two months after they seized these these devices, there's a really decent chance there's a second warrant in there for that part of the investigation, or and maybe a third, like mm. maybe a fourth. We don't know. What we know is that, I mean, it, like if you look at how DOJ did this investigation, so for example, they arrested Lev Parnas on a, an illegal campaign donation warrant uh, the day he was about to go off to meet with Dmitry Firtash to get a Hunter Biden laptop. But within days after that, they asked for and got permission 
to look at the stuff they seized for other purposes. And that happens a lot in legal investigations. SDNY loves it. They did the exact same thing with Michael Cohen. Mm. Um, and so I don't know what the significance of the perfect phone call not being mentioned. I think it's it's significant it wasn't mentioned. We just don't know what to make of it because, um, you know, you have this warrant affidavit that mentions Hunter Biden at least 12 times oh. or the Bidens, Hunter Biden, at least 12 times, but doesn't permit the FBI to seize stuff uh, as part of this Hunter Biden investigation. Don't know what to make of it. Uh, and I guess we have to wait and see. I mean, that, that that's the thing. And when we're talking about the DOJ, they don't give out information. So any information that we get, that you get at, at mtwill.net that you report on, comes from other sources. The DOJ does not comment on this stuff, right? So so we're not getting anything from them on ongoing well, cases. Well, especially under Merrick Garland. I mean, there were more leaks under other people. Um, you know, yeah, there were more leaks under other people. In this case, I think that... Uh, there's a lot we don't know about what's going on um, on any investigation with Rudy Giuliani, although he's obviously, there's a substantial amount of evidence to charge him in January 6th. Um, we, next Tuesday is the hearing on absolute immunity before oh, the is. D.C. Circuit. On Tuesday the 9th. Okay. Yeah, Tuesday the 9th, 9.30. You can actually listen in in real time. Um, right now it's scheduled 20 minutes of arguments for both sides. The judges in that told both sides, be ready to answer questions about the amicus briefs. And most people think that, that there's an amicus brief file that said... Um, there shouldn't even be this appeal. Mm -hmm. Like you can only uh, do what's called an interlocutory appeal if there's a clear legal basis for this immunity claim. There is sort of for Trump's um, double jeopardy claim, although it's a frivolous one. Uh There's not for the absolute immunity claim. So one thing that the judges could do is say, we don't have jurisdiction to review this. You have to wait until after you've been tried. Um, to appeal because uh, we we don't we're not permitted to take up this appeal as an interlocutory appeal. So those are some of the questions that are coming next Tuesday. I you know people who do follow along pay a lot of attention to Karen Henderson. She's the one Republican on the right. Uh, did, it, oh, did, did I interrupt you? No, you no, no, because that was on my list of questions to ask about Karen Henderson because you said this is a name. It's a D.C. Circuit Court judge that we maybe. Should should um, be familiar with that that more uh, reporters should be telling us about why who is she she is a poppy bush appointee so she's you know in her 70s or yeah. close to 80 mm-hmm. um, and she has made some very radical arguments in recent years i mean she's been as bad as some of trump's appointees like trump has two really bad dc circuit appointees um and so it is a little bit concerning i i, I believe she didn't want to take this appeal on quick turnaround um She is more so even than the Supreme Court. She is the person who can really scuttle a trial before the election. However, one of the things, a couple of things that happened, like um, in December, Jack Smith brought in Michael Dreeben, who, uh, you know, this is not my expertise, but people who whose expertise it is say he is the best Supreme Court litigator in the country. He was mm-hmm. the deputy solicitor general and then left uh, uh, under Trump. 
and came back from private practice and basically as a solicitor general for Jack Smith. And there was in their response to Trump's appeal for absolute immunity, um, there was this like Trump's lawyers are not terrible, but kind of raw and they made this argument they're like well trump should have immunity just like just like congress has immunity and uh and it was like this softball thrown at michael drubin and the rest of the people doing the appellate stuff for jack smith because in 2007 many many years ago um michael drubin argued a case involving the William Jefferson, remember this was a uh, corrupt black Democrat. I do who remember him. Had right. bribe money in, in his refrigerator his, or something. Or? His, yes. So um, in that case, there was a search of his office in Rayburn, mm-hmm. and um, and Karen Henderson was on the panel. So this same judge, and Michael Dreben was arguing it, and Karen Henderson actually was more strict than her colleagues on this. And she basically said, you know, there is no place of sanctuary for being prosecuted for real crimes in this country. Um, and so Trump's lawyers like throw this softball over the over the um, base for Michael Dreamen. And Michael Dreamen's like, hey, Karen Henderson, remember that time I argued about William Jefferson and you said X, Y, and Z? Well, let's raise that. And so, um, it, you know, those are the kinds of things, as, to the extent I understand appellate argument, those are the kinds of things that really matter where you say Karen Henderson here's what you said 20 years ago let's be consistent with what you said 20 years ago and the inconsistent answer with what you said 20 years ago is Trump has no basis to stand on it and oh by the way here's what Clarence Thomas said about uh, and you know it's an originalist argument basically mm-hmm. um, th- they said Clarence Thomas said um, this is more recently this is under Trump Clarence Thomas recent years said um, there is no immunity written in for presidents in the Constitution, unlike Congress. So it was probably a bad idea for Trump's lawyers to raise this, and and they included it. And so will that, was Karen Henderson um, leaning against Trump in this anyway? Will that persuade Karen Henderson at least to join in a narrow decision saying that Trump's accused actions in the January 6th uh, indictment uh, are outside his official duties. Um, this is something that DC Circuit already ruled in civil cases. This is something that the 11th Circuit ruled for Mark Meadows. That's right. So is she willing to at least come to that? In which case, then this goes back to Tanya Chicken and we can have our trial. Right. And is there an indication in Karen Henderson's um, ruling or upholding Chutkin's one year sentence of one of the January 6th defendants? Yeah, I mean, it's an important decision. So that was today, right? Mm-hmm. So this is, um, there are two misdemeanors that people are being charged with for January 6th. Um, one's, you don't need to know the numbers, one's 50, 5104, the other one's 1752. The more serious of those, 1752, is disorderly conduct within the Capitol or within restricted space. So anywhere, for example, that... Um, the vice president is. And this was a um, January 6th who appealed his one-year sentence for that. And it was within the guidelines for his crime, and and they upheld Tanya Chicken on this issue. And remember, Tanya Chicken has been upheld, not Karen Henderson, but upheld by the D.C. Circuit and after the D.C. Circuit by the Supreme Court on a more 
narrow kind of presidential immunity when Trump tried to prevent the National Archives from turning over his presidential records. Right, that, right. that actually was a closer case than this absolute immunity. And Tanya, Tanya Chicken wrote a you know well thought out decision, and the D.C. Circuit upheld it and upheld it significantly because the circumstances of January 6th were so exceptional. Um, there had to be no question except that um, even Congress should be able to get into Trump's documents because uh, they had to be able to investigate it. Um, sure. and, and a criminal case against Trump should be a much easier question. Well, should we'll be, should be the Tune operative words there. So, so Marcy Wheeler, r- before the holiday break, we, we, you know, we tape these on Friday morning, Arizona time, because you're in Ireland and it's uh, five, it's six hours later there. It's, it's later there. So we tape it in the morning here. And sure enough, we finished taping our last show of the year. And, um, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, Jack Smith had filed, wanted to leap frog the appeals court and go directly to the Supreme Court um, in, in the immunity case, uh, thinking that they're going to get it anyway. Let's just move this along. And maybe an hour after we finished taping last time, the Supreme Court said, nope, we're not going to do that. So there's an expedited hearing, <clears throat> excuse me, at the uh, appeals level, and then it will go to the Supreme Court. We should hear that should be happening, what, this week? Well, that's the Tuesday hearing. Oh, that's that is right? the Tuesday hearing. I got it. So okay. it's so it's possible that um, there will be some. We'll at least have a sense by Tuesday where we're going. It's possible that the Democrats already have an order written. I I don't understand the machinations well enough to understand all the things that Karen Henderson could do if she wanted to stall. Um, but for example, if the if the panel said we don't have jurisdiction, then it then it sort of gets bumped back. Uh-huh. Um, Trump will continue to appeal, but at some point he may no longer be able to stay the the um, proceedings. Um, and so, yeah, we'll we'll find a bit more on. On Tuesday, mm-hmm. I, you were watching the news. Have we heard yet on whether the Supreme Court is taking the Colorado appeal? Um, I have not, because that's another thing that Trump went right to the Supreme Court and said, uh, I want you to uh, overturn the Colorado Supreme Court's ruling that excludes me from the primary ballot. That must be decided quickly because the ballots have to be printed because the right the it, it actually doesn't have to be decided okay. quickly um, because he's on the ballot the way in which both Maine and Colorado wrote those opinions uh, they basically said here's what you need to stay the decision and it's a very low bar so by appealing the decision is already stayed he's going to be on the primary ballot in Colorado that's already done that's a done deal so basically Supreme Court has months to figure out whether he should be on the general ballot to figure out what to do with all of these challenges and they you know I'm people I trust said they may decide to take the case today uh, those people are smart, so maybe they're right. But I, I don't, I don't see that the Supreme Court has to take it right away, and they might wait for some other decisions so that they have a larger landscape of what's before them. Um, remember, in the Colorado case, the Colorado Supreme Court cited Judge Gorsuch 
Yes. Regarding this, yeah, regarding how these things are supposed to go, regarding states uh, administrative votes. So, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see, we'll have, you know, it'll let, tune in next week and we'll see what we know that we don't know today. Right. I, you know, one thing I will say to people, and uh, I don't want people to get really, I don't want people to despair because even if, this trial doesn't go forward, um, which is possible, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so if this trial doesn't go forward, then Jack Smith probably has some uh, backup plans in his back pocket. And by that, I mean, um, you know, people, I think, are very frustrated, for example, that Rudy Giuliani hasn't been charged, that Roger Stone hasn't been charged, that, you know, so all of Trump's co-conspirators haven't been charged. Right. We know that DOJ actually has a broader sense of the co-conspirators that they have in mind. Um, and Jack Smith has the means to tell more of the story than he has so far if he isn't allowed to go to trial. I mean, one thing he could do is start charging everybody else, right? right. And right. and that would be, there would be some interesting aspects of that. So I, you know, what, one of the things you started this, we started this by saying DOJ isn't telling us what they've got. One of the things that I'm mindful of is that there are at least four AUSAs who are part of the Jack Smith team that we haven't seen any sign of. Oh. Well, we've seen we've seen signs of them. That's how I know that they're there. Right. Um, but we haven't seen what they're doing. And so, um, you know, through this entire investigation, Thomas Wyndham was the one prosecutor that people were tracking. Right. Because he was sending out these uh, subpoenas to the fake elector people. Um, people forgot that Molly Gaston, who is as central a prosecutor as Thomas Wyndham was, that she was part of the team. But right now, they're the two main people that we're seeing. There's a bunch of prosecutors that we aren't seeing. We don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing. I, you know, I'm sure they're not twiddling their thumbs, I guess right. is my point. Right. One other thing to keep in mind is that both Molly, Gask Molly Gaston and J.P. Cooney, who's also on the team, um, they were part of the, I mean, what Mueller did, what Robert Mueller did was um, basically write an impeachment referral. Mm -hmm. That's volume two of the Mueller report. Hoping, I think, naively that Congress would actually impeach Trump. And then once you impeach Trump, then you can go forward with the rest of the prosecutions. Because there was there was an ongoing investigation into Roger Stone. There were ongoing investigations into um, Paul Manafort. Mm -hmm. There was an ongoing investigation into whether Trump took a $16 million donation from an Egyptian bank to be able to stay in the 2016 race. So that was all ongoing when, when Mueller released his report. And uh, and Congress didn't impeach. And Bill Barr spent a year and a half tampering with every remaining investigation, making sure that they were dead beyond belief. Like, right. um, there was an investigation into Eric Prince as well. And, um, and so one of the things we should be sure we're seeing is the institutional memory that somebody like Molly Gaston brings to the table to say, we're not going to make the same mistakes that Robert Mueller made because we know, um, you know, we're not going to invest all our energy into indicting and prosecuting a bunch of people who, if Trump becomes president again, will just be pardoned. Right. Like we can be absolutely certain that uh, if Trump becomes president again, he's going to pardon Rudy Giuliani. That's right. No right. doubt about that. Nope.
Nope. And, and so it all makes sense. And again, we're, then we're left to our own um, conclusions because DOJ does not talk. They, they wait till they get a case and, and bring the case to trial. So all this is going on. So Marcy Wheeler, you mentioned, all right, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday next week is the absolute immunity hearing at the de- at the appeals court before it would go to yes. the Supreme Court. That's Tuesday. You said something is on Monday. Oh, that's when um, the House holds Hunter Biden in contempt. It'll be the the um, it's the committees, so the House Judiciary and House Oversight Committee, which means, by the way, that they're going to have to have an open hearing. And James Comer, especially, are always bollocks those, right? Like the last time James Comer had an open hearing, it was really, really embarrassing for James Comer, and he had a hard time keeping enough bodies and seats to defeat d- Democratic votes. Right. You know, I I suspect that. Um, that, you know, I suspect that both of those committees will refer Hunter Biden for for contempt proceedings in the whole in the whole House, and that means the entire House. That means all those Republicans are going to have to go on the record saying, "Yeah, sure, Jim Jordan can blow off a subpoena, but Hunter Biden can't," even though the subpoena was probably not even legal. But um, but. You know, Democrats are going to use this opportunity to make fun of how ridiculous this entire case is. Good, as they should. Uh, (laughs) um, By the way, the Republicans in a couple of weeks are going to be down another member because another one is resigning, not waiting till the end of his term and not running again, resigning as of like January 19th or something. So they will have, I think they'll be down to a two-vote majority. Two people that they can lose. Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 the majority is getting um, smaller and smaller. And then if Tom Swosey can pull off the Santos win, mm-hmm. then Democrats close the gap still a little more. Um, yeah, you know, and Trump is going to continue making like and then Republicans want to shut down the government because they, uh, you know, and. I'm, I can't I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend I know how this is going to end up. Mm-hmm. What I what I can tell you that even when Trump was more popular than he is now, before Trump had an insurrection, uh, Trump was actually not very good for the Republican Party. They kept Mm -hmm. losing elections. They lost Georgia three times. Those were the first times that Democrats been been able to win Georgia in in decades. Right. Right. Losing Georgia. Um, And. And right now, the Republican House is doing whatever Trump demands. So they didn't learn their lesson that Trump oh. is bad for them. He, they, are, they continue to do whatever he demands. And that may not work out the way that these Republicans want, you know. Um, and meanwhile, you've got people like Speaker Mike, who is radically anti-choice and ra- like anti-contraception, anti right? yeah. like anti-divorce. And, I, you know, again, I'm not telling you I know how it's going to work out. But it has the possibility of really backfiring against Republicans because what they're doing is fundamentally unpopular. And then um, at the end of the year last year, Axios put out this misleading but nevertheless really powerful graphic showing how, like, like, 
the, the Republican House last year passed fewer bills than anybody yes. in recent history. And you even um, have some Republicans. Just done but sniff dick pics all year. Right. Exactly. And you even have a, a number of Republicans uh, saying it. We, we've done nothing. We've accomplished nothing. We have nothing to run on. Um, they're a minority, but they are Republican members of Congress. I can't give you names. Uh, well, no, actually, it comes from two different places. One of them is Andy Biggs. Oh. Now, we, now I get to make fun of Arizona. Please. Um, and Andy Biggs is as far right as they come. Yes. And, you know, what he wants to run on is not what, say, Don Bacon from Nebraska would want to run on. Um, they both, I think, would agree that they're, they have nothing to run on. But uh, Andy Biggs wants to shut down department of you know Andy Biggs is a crazy crazy yes. person um and he is demanding crazier stuff but he does keep going in front of a camera and saying voters we've done nothing for you don't right. re-elect us right and you know i'm happy for him to keep going in front of camera saying that right bring it keep keep bringing it so i gotta show you this uh, a graphic that i shot a picture of yesterday when i happened to turn on msnbc and they had the trump legal calendar up now, uh, they didn't have anything about the Hunter Biden contempt hearing on Monday or the absolute immunity hearing on Tuesday, but they start with January 11th, which is Thursday of next week, um, New York civil fraud trial closing arguments. Then they also have all these um, little blue tabbed ones are, are, are the Republican caucuses and primaries. But the legal things, they have January 15th, which is just the following week. The E. Jean Carroll civil suit begins the same day as the Iowa caucuses. They have March 4th, the, the federal election interference trial is scheduled for March 4th, but that may likely be uh, postponed anyway, the start of it because of Trump's machinations, I believe. Um, and then the New York hush money trial starting on March 25th. All those are subject to change, right? But those are all coming up in the next month or two. Yeah. And while I didn't read it, uh, I, I, a lot of people were observing that Trump went on absolutely, can I say bad words? You can. An absolutely batshit rant about Eugene Carroll today, like 40 tweets over on Truth Social. So, uh, I, you know, he's going to have to go and stand in front of her and, and face his accuser. And um, uh, it'll be interesting. Now, like, isn't this the second defamation suit? Isn't this the second suit she brought after he already won? And then he kept defaming her and she brought another suit? Yeah, this is the damages. Okay. Right. And this is um, one of the I don't know why this is in Trump's head so much. I really don't want to be in that head. But one one possible reason he's so angry about her is that he repeatedly tried to say I'm immune from lawsuit. This is for him defaming her while he was president. It was an easier question for him to be held accountable for defaming her or for or for uh, sexually assaulting her. Uh, both when he wasn't president. This is for when he was president saying that he didn't rape her and that, he, you know, he made some accusations about her. And, uh, you know, one reason he may be so nuts about this uh, may be that she has succeeded in saying he's not immune. And once this notion that he's not immune begins to take hold, you know, at some point, if I'm a Republican, like if I'm a anywhere... Uh, are there any sane Republicans left? I don't know. No. Hello, Republicans, are you out there? <laughs> um, but if there are any sane Republicans out there, at some point, 
they may begin to start thinking, um, you know, do we run the risk of nominating a candidate who's not eligible? Do we run the risk of nominating a candidate who's going to bring down the entire party with us? And that's what Trump is demanding of his party. That is why Trump keeps making these increasingly difficult demands on, on like the house GOP. Um, and they're going to do it. They're going to do it for a variety of reasons. One is most of them are fire-breathing believers, and the ones who aren't, uh, they believe that they can cow into um, doing what Trump demands. Uh, but there's a point where the demands that Trump is making now will lead the Republican Party to to do things that they can't recover from. It's like the Michigan GOP. Um, you know, they're right. trying to replace their chair. She's nuts. They're broke. Uh, the, the chair, the, the party as a whole, there are, what, uh, nine people? No, no sorry, 19 minus one is 18 because one pled and now he's cooperating against the other ones. There's 18 senior Republicans who are being prosecuted as part of Trump's January 6th crimes because they were fake electors or because they tried to steal the tabulators. Um, And so, you know, it is having a real cost on a party in a state that Trump only narrowly lost last time and narrowly won in in 2016 and so you know again i'm not promising that i know how this is going to happen going to work out right but the only republican party anywhere in the country that is preserving its viability in the face of trump demands is georgia that's it uh, and Georgia, again, is the place that the, the voters said no to the Republicans um, in, the, in the, their last few elections. So that uh, I, I think bodes well. It talks, you know, um, I, I also I, I mentioned earlier, I don't know if it was on the air or off, that I, I, earlier this week I spoke to a not Shanker Osorio and she penned a, an essay for The New York Times this that that ran last week um, based with with Norm Eisen and Celinda Lake, and they're, so they're all credible uh, right. people in the polling, messaging, uh, advising uh, section of, of polit- political life, um, that, that they say that what their research tells them is that, you know, a potential Donald Trump conviction on any of these charges, any of these criminal charges that are stacked up against him, would damage him severely at the polls, despite what people say. Because again, as you and I have discussed, at this point in time, it's only people like us that are really paying attention. Most of the American public isn't. And chances are a lot of these low information voters who don't pay attention until you get into the meat of election season are going to be really turned off by a criminal conviction of a candidate. And uh, Washington Post had a poll in the last couple of days showing the beliefs of people. And well, it has slipped. So more Republicans believe that Joe Biden was not legitimately elected than they did in 2021. It slipped maybe eight points or so or seven points or six points. But this is in the face of nonstop propaganda. That's all you see on Fox News, except for Hunter Biden dick pics. Um, And I think that... uh, you know, I'm actually heartened by that poll because if you look at the numbers, for one, there's this small group of Republicans who recognize that Trump's nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like 7% or something. But that 7% by itself 
is enough to tip the election against Donald Trump. And then if you look at independents, if you look at non-Republicans, uh, or if you look at the populace as a whole, there is an absolute majority on most of the questions that they ask. Like, is Donald Trump guilty? Is Don, you know, and this is before any trial. Right. And so if those numbers hold, then I do think it's a colossally bad idea for the Republican Party to run Donald Trump. And I, you know, and, and their and their pushback is Hunter Biden, right? So, you know, I, I, it has been really effective. Their Hunter Biden strategy has been really effective. Over Christmas, Trump again got did did a truth social saying, where's Hunter? And maybe that was his message to James Comer to hold, you know, to go after James, you know, Hunter Biden or some Russian spy somewhere to go after Hunter Biden some more. But it really has the potential. This Hunter Biden thing really has the pun- the potential to backfire. Yes. And I and I say that partly because he's got a damn good lawyer. Um, and Abby Lowell is right. his lawyer. Abby Lowell gets a lot of politicians off. Abby Lowell also was on Bill Clinton's impeachment team, so he knows how impeachment works. Right. But I also, I mean, Abby Lowell has tremendous amounts of evidence that Donald Trump committed a crime in the ways in which he's been pushing the Hunter Biden prosecution. Um, I don't know, like, it's really super hard to make this stick, but if anybody can make it stick, if the evidence could ever stick, Abby Lowell has it. And if that were to happen, then all of a sudden, the Hunter Biden story could flip on its head immediately and say, Hunter Biden is not a story. I mean, you know, I, I do think he screwed up his 2018 taxes, yes. but I, I, I'm not sure that prosecutors can actually prove that. Um, and I, you know, like I'm, there's a lot of problems with the prosecution that, that, that aren't being reported. Um, I keep finding sex workers that like, um, de- they included this sex worker, actually a stripper, in the indictment and they're like oh hunter biden wrote out the fifteen hundred dollars for this stripper uh and the venmo payment was listed as exotic dancer and it's like well (laughs) yeah but that payment was the first payment made on hunter biden's venmo after his account was compromised Ah. like after i've been saying from day one you know if i'm the irs i should have looked at what happened to his venmo account on august 6 2018 and said oh my gosh they're hacking the the son of the former vice president we better do something about it instead they decided to keep sniffing around his dick pics and charge him with tax crimes and at least that one exotic dancer uh, they're going to have a hard time proving that Hunter even made that payment, much less that he listed it as art and didn't remember that. Um, there's another case where I showed last week where uh, a different sex worker, she was like the last human being that Hunter Biden saw before he bought a new laptop, the laptop that ended up with Keith oh, Blow. Uh-huh. <laughs> Keith Blow. So, so it's like he met this woman and then went went out to a Best Buy and bought a new computer because his whole identity had been compromised. Wow. So, how much of what he paid her, which was like seven thousand, close to eight thousand dollars, how much of what he paid her did he really pay her himself? Or did she hack his Wells Fargo account? Right. Um, did she? And she's, of course, this probably Russian escort uh, tied to an escort 
you know, like these are the stories that are built into the Hunter Biden story that I don't think um, Delaware has accounted for. Like they, I, they, when I called them and I said, hey, are you sure you guys got that Venmo date right? Because that's not what the public record shows. They got real quiet. Um, and, and then you add in the fact, I did a post over some time, where I list, there's like 50 things that Hunter Biden listed about Trump's interference in his case. And some of them are egregiously illegal, and some are just Trump tweeting and leading to threats against prosecutors, which by itself should be an issue, right? Well, of course. Of course. And by the way, a, a little aside here, I think we're going to start a new game on the show. Being that the show airs Friday afternoons, so the timing is right, um, take a drink every time Marcy says dick pics. <laughs> Good way to start the weekend. I, I have aspirations to write a post to explain why I call it dick pics, but I mean, like, look, this is no different than but her emails. This That's is right. no different from right. if Hillary were president right now, we'd be having impeachment because John Podesta put the broth into his risotto recipe too quickly for, you know, Republican taste. It's that absurd. It is. And that's all that the Hunter Biden dick pics are meant to do is just uh, suck up all the oxygen. And it succeeds because journalists are stupid because they are sniffing dick pics rather than looking at the evidence in front of them. Absolutely. Um, But maybe we can fuck them up and make them do some journalism. Or fuck them up and make them do some journalism. Uh, Marcy Wheelers, so one last thing I have to ask you about, a story that broke yesterday that I I haven't seen you write about yet, um, and maybe you will, which is... Uh, a group of Democrats, I think only in the House, um, uh, and, and uh, God, I'm forgetting the name of the congressman who wrote it, but Jamie Raskin is one of the signatories on it. Uh, a letter to Clarence Thomas saying, your wife was involved in not only planning, but, you know, all aspects of January 6th and the insurrection, you must recuse yourself from any decision, from any cases dealing with January 6th. Um, uh, Good for them. Uh, I don't know that they went far enough. Um, If they said you must or you should or will you please recuse yourself. Do you see what do you would you see anything coming out of this? He did recuse from, so John Eastman, remember, the January 6th committee went to Chapman University and got his emails. And John Eastman and and found a couple of them were crime fraud exception, right? So, uh, and Eastman appealed that decision all the way to Supreme Court. And when Supreme Court considered whether to take his case or not, Clarence Thomas did recuse from that. So there is precedent for him to recuse on John Eastman-related stuff, and obviously John Eastman is an obvious co-conspirator for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I also think, I mean, going back to the absolute immunity case, I think one reading of why the Supreme Court didn't take that right away is, I don't know whether it's right. Again, on appellate stuff, I defer to smarter people. But but there are people who say they didn't take it because they don't want to deal with it. They Mm. didn't deal with the executive privilege claim having to do with the archives. They instead upheld a DC circuit opinion. And so there is a non-zero chance that one way Clarence Thomas gets around having to decide whether he recuses it or not is by the Supreme Court letting the DC circuit make these decisions. I don't know. You know, I really, I'm, I'm not gonna pretend I can predict these things. I really am not. 
Gotcha. Uh, but this stuff is happening. It is a new year, and uh, they're off and running in so many different directions. Again, I have a hard time keeping track. Uh, a great place to keep up with all of it is at emptywheel.net. Anything else happened since we last spoke that I didn't ask about that, that we need to know about? No, I mean, we didn't talk a lot about the Colorado and Maine decisions, but, you know, those are going to continue. We're going to see those in different states. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I think the important thing for listeners to remember if they get into debates about this is to say to people, look, if you think that the Colorado Supreme Court shouldn't be able to administer their own elections, which is what this question is about. I mean, one of the reasons we're getting different results in different states is based on how each state understands their secretary of state, their their rules about ballot access, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that Colorado said in the Colorado Supreme Court said is like, look, we deal with this all the time. We dealt with it in the normal way. We deal with it, the same kind of challenges we deal with, same thing, he got a trial. But if you don't like the Colorado Supreme Court, uh, disqualifying Donald Trump, you should be demanding a trial ASAP. Because honestly, we'd all be better off if there were a trial and if a jury of Trump's peers and our peers and everybody else um, got to review his conduct on January 6th. You know, 300, hundreds of other January 6ers have already gone to trial. There's no reason Donald Trump should be treated any differently. The same crimes that he's charged with were charged against 300 other January 6ers. And so that's, you know, remember, it's not a choice of is he disqualified or not. It's a choice of let's have the trial. Let's right. have the trial and find out from, a you know, where we as a country find definitive decisions about these things is a jury trial and let's have it. Let's right, there. although the Constitution says nothing about any kind of court uh, decision right. or ruling having anything to do with it, the, the way the 14th Amendment, Section 3, is written is that he's just plain not eligible because he participated in or supported an insurrection. And look, by, by, the, by his, you know, saying he will pardon the January 6th um, uh, convicted, convicted criminals. Seditionists. Seditionists. Um, there you go. There's his support for an insurrection. Yeah, and it's a really important point. Um, there's a guy named Coy Griffin, Cowboys for Trump, who was disqualified from a New Mexico elected position for the same basis. And all he did, all he was convicted of was trespassing. Wow. So, uh, so there is precedent. I think you're going to see some members of Congress who are being uh, attempted to be disqualified in the ballot, including Scott Perry. One of the things that happened in the last month is that... Um, uh, the chief judge in D.C. finally turned, we believe, finally turned over some records from Scott Perry to the Jack Smith investigation. Ooh. So um, so we'll see. I mean, the other funny thing about that language I mentioned about speech and debate that Trump's lawyers stupidly raised mm -hmm. is if I'm Scott Perry, I don't like seeing that in a document because it's, it, you know, it's Jack Smith making a very good argument that Scott Perry can be charged just as easily as Donald Trump can. Oh, so much to happen in the next few months, so stay tuned. It's like a, a soap opera, you know, as, as the world, as the nation turns. Um, 
and we'll continue with Marcy Wheeler next week. Don't forget, emptywheel.net should be one of your first stops for reading in the morning and, and when you're looking for news sources to support, emptywheel.net is completely reader supported. So go support her um, and support this show too. If you know if you've got the money, um, help us out. We're just trying to you know trying to get the information out there without the interference of corporate uh, sponsors or the corporate media. Uh, Marcy Wheeler, always a pleasure. Happy New Year. We're off and running. Here we go. Buckle up. <laughs> Buckle up. It's going to be a weird one. Uh, thanks, Marcy. I'll talk to you next week. It already is a weird one. Um, <laughs> so with that, um, uh, we, we end the first week of the new year. <sighs> 51 more to go. Yeah. Um, or 50, 52 weeks in a year, right? Yes. 52. We, I, I'm so discombobulated. All right. With that, we're done. Um, no time for the Joe Biden other clips. We'll pick up there on Monday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Unplug from the news. It'll do your brain a world of good. I'll see you Monday. Thanks and peace out.